excited to be here this morning? That was a wee bit rubbish, wasn't it? Who's excited to be here this morning? And this is one of the greatest privileges uh, as a pastor. Last week, whenever we had a dedication service, I said that that was one of the greatest privileges, and so it is. But there's something really significant and really special about what is about to take place here this morning. And we're so excited for Margaret, aren't we? We are absolutely excited for her. And a little bit later on, we are going to move to the baptism element of our service. But if you've been at baptism services down through the years, maybe a little bit like me, you've thought to yourself, why do we do the baptisms and then explain what they are? So today we're flipping it round a little bit and we're going to explain a little bit about what this signifies, why this is important together this morning. And it actually coincides with the start of a new sermon series that we're going to be doing here at McGeehan called Deolingo. Does anybody have the Duolingo app on their phone? Right? If those who don't, those who don't know what the Duolingo app is, it's an app that helps you to learn a different language. And very often, as we are in the church, we try to be really clever with the title, and most people are just like that, and that's okay. But sometimes whenever we come to church, maybe you've noticed that we use language that everyday people out on the street don't use. And sometimes you're going, well, what, what does that mean? So as part of our series, we're going to take some of the words, some of the Christianese, if you will, this language that we speak in the church, and we're going to try and explain what it means. And this morning, it makes perfect sense for us to explain what baptism means together. Now, if you have your Bibles, the verses are going to come up on the screen as well as we journey through together. But as we begin this series looking at baptism, for some here today, this might be your very first baptism service. Is there anybody here that this is your first experience of a baptism service? Yep, so quite a few. Quite a few have never been to a baptism service before and that's really exciting. For some here today, you may have lost count of how many you have been to. Maybe you've been around the church for a long time. Um, but it's important for us to be reminded of the significance of what is happening in this moment. Baptism is really a stake in the ground moment. It's a tying of the colours to the mass, where individuals have for centuries upon centuries declared their allegiance to Jesus Christ. That they declare that they have recognised and do recognise that they were once hopelessly lost in their sins and were in need of a saviour. And they declare how an encounter with Jesus Christ changed the trajectory of their lives forever. Of how they, once dead in their sins, were given new life in Christ through the forgiveness of those sins as they turned their lives over to become followers of Jesus. And later on, Margaret will go through the waters of baptism where she will publicly declare that she belongs to Jesus. She will publicly declare that he is her strength and her stay. She will declare that she believes him to be good, that he will hold her fast through the trials and temptations of life and has done so already. 
She will join with many and down countless generations who have publicly declared their faith in God, in Christ, for the salvation of their souls. And we celebrate with her this morning. We're delighted. We're excited about that. But there is an even greater baptism that takes place in these moments. Not just baptism by water, but baptism which each one of us can experience this morning. Because when Jesus was on the mountain with his disciples about to ascend into heaven, some of the last words that he spoke to them are found in Acts chapter 1. And he said, for John baptised with water, or good Northern Irish, water, right? I'm from Lauren, for those who don't know. So with the Melbourne people in the room, I feel very at home, right? But Jesus says, for John baptised you with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, this baptism which we will experience together today and Margaret will go through points to us of a baptism, not only with water, but with the Holy Spirit of God, who is still transforming lives today. Paul wrote in one of his letters to the Romans, well, his only letter to the Romans, but it was one of many letters. In chapter 3, he wrote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The sin of which Paul writes here, it, it sort of levels the playing field a little bit. It is a reminder for each one of us of our brokenness, no matter how powerful we may be or no matter how helpless we may feel, no matter how wealthy we are or how poor we may be, no matter how good or how bad we think that we are, we are told that we all are one, that we are sinners in need of saving. This sin not only leaves us as, a, as slaves to a destructive way of life for which we were not created to live, but it leaves us, we are told, cut off, separated, estranged from God. And it creates a chasm that is too great for us to cross on our own. Yet we're told in his great love, yet because of his sacrifice, because Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world, that is the sins of countless generations, all those who have gone before us, all those who will come after us, and each one of us gathered here today and our generation. He has taken upon himself the sins of the world, putting them to death 
with him on the cross that we might be called children of God. Cleansed and justified by accepting this free gift of his grace, salvation and redemption. Bought by his blood and imparted by the spirit who comes to dwell within us. This atoning blood and we're going to spend for those who are advocating we're going to spend a week looking at what the atonement is and what that means but this blood of Jesus justifies us by his grace and we're told that the Holy Spirit of God moves to live within us takes up residence have you ever had a slaughter no nobody that's good. I remember growing up in our household, we used to host a lot of different people. Mum was very involved in the missions uh, department of the church and we used to have missionaries come and stay. And in my teenage years, I spent more time out of the house than I did in the house. I really just, my dad tells me I just used the house as a hotel where I ate and slept and then was out. And I, I, I remember coming home many weekends and there were some random people in my house. And I was like, have they taken up residence or are they gonna move out? Eventually, I remember one guy, and I'll not name him because some people in the room will know him, a really German fellow, really abrasive. And I walked into my house and went, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? It seemed like every weekend somebody new was in our house and had taken up residence. But we're told that whenever we come to Jesus, whenever we give our lives to Jesus, that we are marked by the Holy Spirit and we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit and he takes up residence in our lives. And he doesn't say, who are you? He says, I love you. And he says, I love you too much to leave you the way that you are. And that's a great gift that we are given. We're cleansed, our hearts are cleansed of sin and we are made into a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come, raising us with Christ and empowering us for a life of service to King Jesus. In other words, later on, whenever we come to the baptism and Margaret is lowered, she is saying, I am dead to sin. I am giving away that part of my life. I have found Jesus. And as I am lowered, this signifies that work of grace which he has done in my life. Those past experiences, those things which happened in my life, those things that the accusers of our lives will bring up time and time again, they're washed away. They are forgotten about because Jesus is coming and he has transformed my life, making me into a new creation. We read then in Colossians these words, Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ because we're not going to leave Margaret down underneath the water. You'll be really glad to know that, right? Because we don't linger on the lowering, but we do celebrate the rising. And Paul writes to the Colossians, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing, pardon me, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is the word of the Lord to our hearts today. Baptism, what we're about to do, baptism reminds us that we are not saved by faith to remain in a holy huddle. We're not saved by faith to keep it to ourselves. We're not saved by faith to make us feel better about, well, you know what? I belong to Jesus and therefore when my time on earth is through, my eternal destiny is secure and I know where I'm gonna go. I know where I'm going. It's not about just that. Rather, we are saved by faith to be like Jesus. We're saved by faith to be like Jesus. We are saved by faith to represent him, to be his ambassadors well, to represent him well to all of those within our spheres of influence, those who we come across in our everyday lives. I love one of the great joys as a pastor is going and listening to people's stories and as they tell me of how they come across different individuals throughout their different day, I'm often left marveled at the reality that they are reaching people for Jesus that I could never reach on my own. Do you know that we need each other? Yeah? Two of you do, which is great. Right? But we need one another. We do. And we're all given a task to do. We're told that God has in his mercy prepared good works in advance for each one of us to do. So we all have a responsibility. And as Margaret is raised later on, I want us to think, isn't it great that they didn't drop her? I want us to think, isn't it great that she is up and out of the water? But I also want us to think of the responsibility that each one of us have. Margaret has been very clear with me today that she does not want today to be about her. She wants it to be all about Jesus. And may I, on her behalf, and on the authority of Scripture, remind each one of us that as Margaret is raised up, this also signifies a responsibility that each one of us who follow after Jesus have to live for him, to be good ambassadors, to represent him well in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we act, and in the way that we talk <coughs> as well. I know each one of us in the room lives a different life. Even those who are married in the room do not have the same life. You go off and you do things on your own and you meet different people um, throughout your day. And that's a good thing and that's important. But each one of us has a unique mission field which God has placed and put aside for simply you. Now I was always told in my preaching class never to use the word you and my preaching teachers here, right? But sometimes it is appropriate. Because each one of us, me and you, us, we have a responsibility. We have a unique mission field to which we alone have been called to go and to represent and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only question that we have to follow up with that is this. 
Are you willing to do it? Because he never forces himself upon us. He never forces us to do anything that we do not want to do. But in his mercy and in his grace, he gives each one of us work to do for his sake and for his kingdom. So that in years to come, generations upon generations will celebrate as we celebrate this morning of how Jesus Christ came in and cleansed our heart from sin. And I feel like I'm going to burst into a minute right now. I'm right right happy all the time. But I'm not. Right? But how Jesus came in and changed and transformed lives forever. I don't normally do this kind of thing and the beginning guys can testify to that. But if Jesus has changed your life, throw your hand in the air. Look around. Look around. What transformative power that is. What transformative power is evident in this room? Jesus Christ right across the generations and for endless generations to come is in the business of transforming lives. And I don't understand it. And I don't pretend to understand it. But for some reason, he chooses to use people like you and me to share his goodness and grace. So as Margaret is raised later on, may you be reminded that you too have been raised to life in Christ, but you've been raised with a purpose and on purpose, that you may be Christ's ambassadors where he has placed you today and tomorrow, and for those who are off tomorrow, Tuesday. <laughs> Are we living that empowered life? Or are we carrying away? And then lastly, we read in the letter to the Romans again in chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. Paul writes, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Another word that we use in the church is sanctification. And sanctification, very simply, is this process by which we are made more and more like Jesus. That our attitudes are transformed, that our thought patterns are transformed, that the way in which we act is transformed, that begins to look more and more like Jesus. And whenever those in the game, whenever we come to sanctification, the sermon will not be that length. So I apologise in advance. But this process of you like that one, Marvin, did you? This process of sanctification begins at the moment that we personally experience that saving grace of God. It starts as soon as we give our lives to Jesus. But it doesn't end there. It's a continuous process in our lives. And although we are what's called initially sanctified, that is sanctified in the there and now, we should continue to grow in grace, become more and more like Jesus, throughout our whole lives. 
We need to be living lives which reflect more of the love of Christ each and every day. We should be looking like, acting like, living for Christ more and more each and every day. And I remember as a teenager hearing somebody say these words, that comparison crushes contentment. Comparison crushes contentment. I think sometimes the, the tendency that can be that whenever we give our lives to Christ, we look at other people and we tend to look at those spiritual giants in inverted commas, those who have been on the road a lot longer than us, and we think we're never going to get there. And we think, I mustn't be a Christian because there's no way that I'm as good as or will ever be as good as that person. If you know my family, you know that we had um, twins and then another one very shortly afterwards. Um, and it's amazing watching them grow up. And, and actually watching the older two watch the younger one and sort of look as if to say, what are you crawling about for? What, what, what are you crawling about for? And you can see the wee cogs and key our youngest um, head. You can see those cogs moving as she looks at her older sister, Danny and Sophia, and goes, how come they're running and I can't even stand up yet? And she wants to be doing what they are doing. And that's a good aspiration to have, and we definitely pray that one day she gets there. But she will get there in her own time. You see, with this, there is a process that has got to take place. She is not going to be able to run before she can crawl. And similarly, she's not going to be able to run before she can walk. It's very, very important that these things happen in order. And it's very important that as we enter into that relationship with Christ, that we don't get discouraged that we're not running yet. Because sometimes we need to crawl first. Then we need to learn to walk. Then we need to learn to run. And if you're a child and your parents here, don't run in the house. Right? You'll break stuff. But similarly, it's important that we're not like the two older sisters who in their innocence look down their nose almost and go, why are you not doing this yet? It's important that we don't put unfair expectations on those who have just come to faith, but that rather we draw alongside them and we help them, just as we wish that somebody had helped us, or just as we experience somebody draw alongside us and help us in that as well. So whether you're new to this whole Christianity thing, whether you've made that plunge yourself, whether you have made that decision to follow Jesus, or not, and whether you have been on this road longer than maybe I've been alive, we all have our part to play. That is incredibly important. And it's important that we don't allow comparison to crush our contentment, but it's also important that we don't put unfair expectations on those who are newer to the journey than we are. This living like Jesus is only possible by having a relationship with Jesus. And we have been given, and we have been given what is called the means, what we call the means of grace. 
such as prayer, studying the scriptures, fasting, partaking in the communion meal together, going through the waters of baptism, as Margaret will a little later on, and spending time with one another, feeding the hungry, caring for the widow and orphan, clothing those who are naked, telling others about Jesus. The only way that we're going to grow in grace is by exercising the means that we have been given. The only way that we're going to grow is by staying in close relationship with Jesus and doing as he commanded. And we can't do it all in our own strength. We can't. And we can't make ourselves more like Jesus by just crossing our fingers and praying really, really hard. But something beautiful happens whenever we cooperate with the Spirit and how he himself, who is holy, makes us holy as we offer our lives as a sacrifice to him. This will often mean denying ourselves of our own good in order that we may experience God's best. But it's worth it. And as we begin to realise in this life our reason to living, to love and to glorify God, that's a high calling. But in his great love, we're told that Christ didn't ask us to do it on our own, but that he gave us a help, that he gave us of himself, that he gave the Holy Spirit that we may be like him. So today as we move to the baptism, and you'll be glad to know we're about to do so, just now. But as we move to the baptism, why not put a stake in the ground? Why not tie your colours to the mass, just as Margaret will today through her baptism? And why not devote yourself, your life, your ambitions, your hopes, and your plans to Jesus? And say, as Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Take every part of me. Use me for your glory. Make me into who you created me to be, that I may become more and more like you. That I may be the person that you have called me to be, so that I can be the, be the person those are without Christ, need me to be, as I go and share his goodness and his grace and his mercy with them. Shall we pray together before we move to the baptisms? Lord, we praise you today for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this glorious moment that is about to happen. Glorious because you by your spirit meet us in it and will meet Margaret in it as she declares that she has turned her back on her old ways. That she who was once lost in sin has been gloriously saved and will be raised with Christ. God we thank you so much that we have the awesome opportunity to experience it today. But Lord, we pray that we would not just walk away talking about an experience, 
but Lord, rather we would walk away talking about how God, by His Spirit, met us in this place. So Lord, we do pray that as we move to the baptism, that all glory and honour would be given to you, that you would be high and lifted up, and that Lord, you will have your way with your people. In Jesus' name, amen.